1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you. Staggering to the microphone, as it were, after took some body blows this week. Did we not? Uh, still standing, also, standing, sitting in his podcasting chair. Same thing. Um, I tell you, Gingers must take a punch just better than the rest of us, because he looks no worse for the wear. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir.
2: Hey, yeah, no, we definitely do. I mean, there was a kick a ginger holiday. So th- the attacks, I'm used to. Not just the verbal ones growing up, of course, Wait. but the physicals. Oh, well, I mean, you know, it didn't actually happen, at least not to me personally, but uh, yeah. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah.
1: um That's great. Uh, yeah. So I feel like... We're, when's the last time we had a podcast where we came on here and it was like really, oh, let me, before I even ask that question, is this a dour podcast?
2: You know, it's funny that you use the word dour because I had the same, use the same word in my mind earlier thinking like, why is it that when we come onto a podcast, it seems like every single time it's a dour note. That we are talking about because, you know, for, of course, we had the first week, right. it was great, and then they lost, and we had to re record that. And then the second week, things seemed better. And then the third week, things are not as great. And now, wait, what do you mean the first week it seemed great? We well, the next rep, the next rep 2 0, and then the we recorded a podcast. Oh, yeah, we recorded, and then sorry. the Magic yes. beat the Knicks. So, right. the podcast that didn't get released was the one happy podcast. <laughs> well, the second week was better, but it wasn't great, you know. but. The, yeah. the best, the most optimistic podcast was the one after a two and zero start, and then yeah. things fell to earth a little bit more. And now it's uh, it just doesn't stop,
1: it keeps going. It doesn't stop. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because I feel like with this fan, we're gonna we'll go through the week in review. We'll we'll do some true false about uh, whether or not there's the stuff that's flying around is is overreaction, underreaction, whatever you want to call it. But it's just you know it's always interesting to do really anything with with this fan base and this is this is a compliment because we think about this stuff so much and we go to one extreme and then there's a reaction to the ex- initial extreme reaction and then there's a pushback to that reaction and by the time you you get past all of that you, to to arrive at the truth of like okay it's a seven and six team who has, I think, almost to within with they're within like 10 points of having a dead even net rating. They're essentially they've scored about as many points as they've allowed this season. Like they are the textbook definition of an average team. Is does that warrant the sky falling through 13 games? I'm not sure. So for me, when I look at myself, I'm like, why, why am I so pissed off? Not pissed off. Pissed off is probably the wrong word. So, so worried. So whatever about this team. I think it's because I still have the, the thinking in my mind from the last year, from the last 20 years, whatever you want to say, how, however long Nick's, Nick's fan PTSD goes back, um, of like, does the other shoe drop? And is this a 34 win team when we're looking back on it in, in, in April? And that's, I think that's why I'm like, otherwise I don't even know that I care that much about what's
2: going on right now. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about the Knicks, right? We oh, boy. As, well, no. I, I, There's I'm only one. To, I'm trying to take a step back in view and, and consider everything here. Please do. We as fans are naturally optimistic because of a lot of pessimism. But I think fans in general can be optimistic. Even if your team were good, you could be more optimistic there. Last year, Vegas really screwed up. Right? They thought the Knicks were going to be a <laughs> terrible team. And it turns out the Knicks weren't a terrible team. They were not a good team um, around, you know, until Derek Rose came about and everything went up from there. So that was an in season addition that, the, that Vegas wasn't predicting. But even still, the Knicks were a better team than Vegas initially thought. Yeah. The line going into this year, the starting point was what, 41 and a half? 41 and a half.
1: So they, again, Vegas, this year, they would be an average team.
2: Right. And so that's kind of the thought process where I know that a lot of us looked on paper and thought that this team is better than that. And it still could be. The season is still young. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to let me. I know what gonna, you're not saying.
1: We're going to yeah. go through a lot of stuff today in which we're like, right. uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to come on here and be like, this is what it's going to be. I'm just talking about the fear in my mind.
2: Of course. A hundred percent. It's. I guess the way of, of kind of putting it is the results are there, but then. Like for me, this this past Hornets game was the most frustrating loss of the season. And I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment. And I know that's very possible as of where things stand. But I think the biggest... The reason why it was the most concerning for me is that you could find silver linings in a lot of other games, right? And you could still find silver linings here. It wasn't like there was this ridiculous beatdown. But I think I kind of... When there's a win, things are great. When, thing, when there's a loss, it's like, great. All right. RJ is doing this or the young players are doing that. Or oh. Julius is showing signs of this. And there were some players who did some things, which we'll talk about. Exactly. In that but, game. But that's the thing. It's like you jump out to this early lead and things are great. And the second unit, then you're hoping that they do what they need to do. And they didn't. And then they start inching back. And then the starting unit. Well, they didn't give yeah, away the lead, in fairness. They didn't, but, but what I'm saying is that that was their moment. I thought the first moment of the year, maybe second, if you talk about the first Orlando game. I was about to say the first. That was the yeah. moment where they could have just stepped on Charlotte's necks and it would have been over. But unfortunately, they didn't. They didn't <clears> play <throat> that level where the game soon became far more out of reach than it could have been. And then the starters didn't do their job. And then the fourth quarter, again, is the the reserves trying to claw their way back. And it was close enough. And then, you know, a game after Tibbs sticks with the, the second unit throughout the entire fourth, he switches things up and he then brings the starters back in for the most part. And unfortunately, in both games, the Knicks lost. But that's the thing where the fact that they could only score what 62 points in the final three quarters against the 28th ranked defense at the time and the Hornets yep. that once again, for the second straight game, there is one starter who is scoring um in bunches and then everyone else is just not doing anything significant. Um, like that, that's where it gets certainly concerning to the point where it's like, yeah, you could look at it being seven and six, but I think that there are, I try to be as evenly keeled as possible, you know this, but it's yeah. hard for me to walk away and not feel like there are signs of greater issues here and, and not necessarily knowing how they can solve this.
1: Okay, you you gave me a lot there. So let me take it one, one step at a time. I think the first, my first reaction is in terms of the game itself, I don't feel like it was on the second unit where they didn't put that game away. I went back and rewatched for for Monday's newsletter, pretty much the entire first half of the game. And while the second unit definitely left a little bit of meat on the bone, um, the first unit, I thought, in the beginning of the game, had. first of all, they started incredibly slow with the first two minutes, and then Kemba got going. And then there were other opportunities, specifically on defense, to really, if they had played, the starters had played up to their capabilities. I'm not sure we've seen the starters play up to their capabilities on defense yet this year. I don't know what that is even. I don't even know what that looks like. Um, I think they could have gotten out to a 20 point lead before the subs ever stepped foot in the game. That's one thing. Um, Two, just in terms of being the most down about this game, I am both more uplifted by this game than any they've played so far and more down than any they've played so far. And it's for the same reason. And it's because I think we saw the answer and maybe we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves um, with game ball, but I think we saw the answer to a lot of the next problems and they, it's like, they found the answer and then they're like, we're going to go away from it. And I'll save that more extended thought for when we give out our game ball.
2: I do. I do just want to be clear. I'm not blaming the second unit. Yeah, no, I know. I know that in yeah. that in the Charlotte game, at least the first half. Certainly it's more that it was a shame because if they had played up to the level, we know that they can, then I feel like we're talking about a two in one week, and
1: yeah oh, but, but and, it, and there's a different spin there's a different spin on everything right now, and they had opportunities to win that game late. Um, the, and then just the last thing I'll say in terms of like takeaways that we, we could take from from every game, we could legitimately say that there have been games, and I, I don't know, maybe this is true of every team in the NBA, but we could say that there have been games along the way through 13 games, right? where I'm going to say five different players. You looked at their game and you're like, Oh, that guy must be an NBA all-star. Evan Fournier in the first game, Derek Rose. I don't know. Pick your game. Julius Randle has had at least one or two. I mean, the fourth quarter in Philly probably put him over the top, but he's had probably one or more two, one or two other games. RJ during that stretch. And then against Charlotte, Kemba Walker finally showed up. Um, And if you you know what, you probably throw a manual quickly in there, maybe not all star, but like he's looked like, oh, is that guy going to win the six man of the year award this year? Maybe like that's what he's looked like over the last week and a half. So like it's been there in pieces and yet they seem so far away from putting the puzzle together right now there doesn't seem to be any semblance of a like, oh, they're right there. No, they don't seem like they're right there. They seem like I'm not even sure where they I think they don't, may know where there is. But in any case, um, all right, so we can review. We kind of got ahead of ourselves. So this week alone, the Knicks are one and two. They beat an undermanned Philadelphia team in Philly coming off a of second night of back to back and then lost to Milwaukee and obviously the Charlotte game we're talking about. In total, since their five and one start, they have gone two and five. And um, I just looked it up before over their last, I think it's seven games. They have a negative 5.4 net rating, which is the 22nd ranked number in the NBA. Um, so they were a top five team for about a week and a half. And they've been a bottom 10 team since then. Um, I I mean, I, I think looking at the team now and before we go ahead and, and we give our game balls for the week. And I'm just, I, I, I don't know how else to talk about it without just saying, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but like we saw a team run its offense through. Apologies, Andrew. We saw a team run its offense through Kemba Walker in Charlotte. And I've spent the entire weekend thinking about and, you know, watching the film On like how much of that was just Kemba Walker like hitting shots that we may not necessarily be able to count on him hitting moving forward. And how much of that was, oh shit, if you run the offense through a point guard who could still strike fear into the hearts of your opponent, that's a lot, that makes a lot more sense than running your offense through a power forward who is not hitting all of the tough shots that he was hitting last season. And as I move forward, as I'm thinking about this team and Derek Rose is very much part of this conversation as well. It's like they got 48 minutes of point guard play in them. And I, I think the version of Kemba that we saw in Charlotte, give him the ball, let him cook. I think, I still think that's the version you're going to get most nights because we go back to how we ended the season last year in Boston when he had the ball a lot, when Jalen Brown was out for some of that time, and he was really, he's like, okay, I got to put it on my shoulders. Like we saw the he averaged 30 points a game for whatever it was, a four or five game stretch, like he can do it. And then that leaves me wondering, okay, well, where does that leave Julius? And can Julius be second in line? Does Julius want to be second in line? And this is where we get into the part of it. That's like, it depresses me because It seemed like after they got out to that lead and the starters came back in in the second quarter, it's like Julius, I I went back and look, you want to know over the 13 minute stretch when they went from being up by, I don't know, they were up by like 14 to being down by like 11 or 12, 13 minute stretch. You want to know how many times Julius Randle shot in that 13 minute stretch?
2: Well, he was pretty passive in that game.
1: In the, mm-hmm. He started being passive in the yeah. beginning. And he was he, passive.
2: <laughs> yes, he was because he got his first basket late in the second half. Right or late in the first half. Excuse me. Um, yeah. I'm going to say he took eight shots.
1: Took 13 shots in 13 minutes plus three turnovers. And
2: he one took 15 sit- in the game.
1: Uh, he took 15 shots in the game. Yeah, he was four for 15.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's not good.
1: And then he didn't because he didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter. He had one. He had one offensive foul turnover. So it's like started out passive. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think he was begrudgingly passive because, again, they came out of the gate. They weren't featuring Kemba right away in the homecoming game. The whole thing like they were going to Julius didn't work a few times. Then Kemba got cooking and like Julius was deferring. And then at the end of the, the very end of the first quarter, like he was doing his Julius thing, drawing doubles and like making the pass Took one tough shot. But it's like when then when the second quarter continued the starters came back in it just seemed like julius was like okay it's my turn to cook now and this is really all just of all of these concerns would go away if julius was just hitting the tough shots that he was hitting last year but he's not anymore so where's the where's the leash how long is it um when especially when you have again Kemba walker here Derek Rose here now the whole season, Um, not to mention Evan Fortier, R.J. Barrett. Hopefully he gets out of whatever the hell funk he's in. Um, So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at mentally with this team after the week that we just had.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, Tick-pick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash FilmSchool today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash FilmSchool to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. I think that's probably a good transition
2: for the first segment, I guess, of what we want to do in terms of a, a true or false situation where it's uh, overreactions and us saying whether they're true or whether they're false. All right. First
1: um, one, you want to read it?
2: Sure. Uh, The first one is that the Knicks were wrong to trade their top five defense for a top five offense. Um, So I've actually thought about this quite a bit. I'm going to say uh, false. The Knicks weren't wrong to do that. I don't, I don't think the problem is necessarily like, Hey, we're going to focus so much on offense that we neglect the defense. What I've been thinking about is, you know, like when uh, I've, I'm sure you've also seen it as well, but comments about Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock and and these things. And and it's just right. People Mm -hmm. have very short memories. It seems because I remember watching that Hawk series and Alfred Payton was so garbage that Derek Rose had to play more minutes, which then hurt the second unit as well. And Reggie Bullock, he is a great spot-up shooter. Can't put the ball in his hands at all. I mean, like if you told him to make a play, then he would set the ball down, go to a typewriter and start writing something to go off Broadway. That is like who he is. And you know, but, but here's the thing, right? I think Reggie Bullock as a defender is certainly solid, 100%. But I don't think the Knicks miss Reggie Bullock's defense. What I think the Knicks miss, and I apologize if anyone has said this and I just haven't heard it um, or seen it. I think the Knicks are, they're drastically missing a defensive quarterback. Like the one thing about Bullock was it always felt like in the starting unit. Yeah. In the starting unit, he was the guy who was leading the team in terms of quarterbacking you know, positions, keeping players accountable, right? Because what was that starting lineup? It was Alfred Payton being passive. It was RJ being a good defender, but a young player. It was Randall who was on his game. He was fantastic defensively last year. And Mitchell Robinson, who then was out in the New Orleans Noel. Bullock was so vocal and it always felt like guys were on the same page. And I think that's what the Knicks are sorely missing. And when you look at this starting lineup, you've got Kemba, who's not known as a defensive presence. You've got Evan who tries, but... He's not necessarily going to be the guy who is, you know, a plus defender who will also call you out. You got RJ, who's been struggling terribly off ball this season, is on ball and has recently not been great.
1: I was about uh, to say he he allowed a few to LaMelo that were um not what you want.
2: Gordon Hayward, it was yep. awful. There were like four straight possessions where he was just garbage. Um same thing. Randall, if you if you are not going to look the part and you're not gonna act the part, then everything else crumbles around you, right? Like it's a sort of thing, and I know that you obviously have legal experience, but when there's uh, yes, the jury- so much. Right, but, but let me, sorry, let me ask you this, because I think I know the answer, but I'd like you to confirm it if possible. Please. When the jury sees, let's say the prosecutions, facial reactions, or, or maybe it's one other, it could be the defense side, when one of those groups or attorneys- is crestfallen if they show a sign of weakness the jury picks up on that and instantly says like wow we smell blood in the water well, you're not and supposed that's to do not that again. right exactly.
1: you always like you get in law school when you're when i was doing trial ad you got taught you know don't show don't show your reaction right
2: and that's the problem julius shows his reaction and there's his body no language one there
1: his body his language bo- has been sucking
2: right and there's no you know and mitch again i i Mitch is not going to be the leader. I think he can be more of a, he's like a quiet type on the court. It seems he, he knows what to do, but he's not going to necessarily be vocal and calling these people out. And I'm not saying that, you know, leadership comes in all shapes and sizes, right? You don't need to necessarily be a vocal leader to be successful, but it seemed like that's something the that Knicks really succeeded but- with last year with the starting yeah. lineup, which is that they had accountability and no one is keeping the star- starting unit accountable. And so I look this at the is... second unit and, and who is on there, right? It's Derek Rose, who has been this sage guiding player um, for so many. It's Tosh fucking but, Gibson, but they, but they keep each other accountable on the second That's unit. That's the thing. That's and it. They, there is a, there is a buy-in and a responsibility for everyone. And for the starting unit, it feels like no one gives a shit enough to say, Hey, this is what we need to do. And it feels like if there were someone that everyone else just takes it personally or tries to to blame someone else. And that's the problem. This starting unit needs to figure out a way to rally around each other defensively. If it's the worst defensive lineup that we've seen in NBA history, if the season ended today, then that's a big problem. And that the point here is that no one can help the starting unit, right? Like we can talk about mixing and matching. Like it's, it's fucking Johnson and Johnson and and Moderna shots. But the, here's the truth. The Knicks aren't going to do it to my belief, because if they stuck with Alfred Payton for that long, Tibbs isn't going to necessarily do it. If they believe in the second unit being as good as it is, then altering someone, elevating someone and, you know, to the, the first unit and bringing someone back into no, the that's second, not- it could create problems for both of them. It's not like a quick, easy fix where they, they come average to you
1: each got, other. You got one thing that's working brilliantly right now. And the reason right. why this is an overreaction is because um, again, Derek Rose, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, wonderful players. We love them. Derek Rose. We've described his defense as god awful at times over the mm-hmm. years, especially his first stint in New York. Emmanuel quickly is a six foot nothing guard. Uh, maybe I'm sorry. He was six foot two, he's but he's two. like, he's, he's, he's not physically imposing. Obi Toppin theoretically wasn't the first pick because of his defense. And Alec Burks is a, Maybe serviceable defender. That's what he at thought times. of around the league. Great. Yeah. Those those four players uh, this year in 112 minutes together have a 94.9 defensive rating, which would be first in basketball by a mile.
2: Because it, they it, they buy in, and it's not just because they're exactly. playing inferior opponents, right? Because not all of these teams think no. like tips. No. Where it's hey, let's have a first unit and a second unit. They they have you it's know,
1: 112 minute minute sample size at that number. Is meaningful. This has nothing to do with Alfred Payton and, and, and Reggie Bullock. These are deeper issues where things are, are seeping over from the offensive end of the, uh, of the floor. Yeah. So I, I don't want to hear it. It's an overreaction. It's, it's not a good one.
2: Um, I, I do also just want to say, you know, I mean, I think that the idea as well of changing. Like we we want control over the situation, right? We want to know that as fans, we voice our opinions because then it feels like we have responsibility when it's situations where we have no control over it. And it's the sort of thing where if you wanted to make a change, the only thing I could think of that's had a drastically positive effect, but it's a small sample size, is if you had three starters, Fournier, RJ, and Randall, who, by the way, none of them is going to be moved out of the starting lineup to begin with. But then if you had those three, and Rose and Taj, that is a, I think it was like a plus 77 on cleaning the glass differential, which is great, but it's a small sample size and the Knicks aren't going to do it. And if you're thinking, hey, what can the Knicks do at the deadline well, or, or when, you know, the Knicks can't do anything for the next month anyway. There are these not- trade restrictions until December 15th. They have to figure it out internally. Yes. And I think they're just going to keep things the way it is because you know, they still want to create some sort of chemistry. And then if it's like, you know, three weeks in from now where everything's still a disaster, that's probably when Tibbs thinks, all right, what do I do here? Cause we can't just stick with what we've got. Cause it's, well, not-
1: yeah, but yeah, you, you heard his, his quote after the, uh, was it the Milwaukee game? The, the, the profanity, uh, laced quote, according to Mark Berman, where it was, um, you know, 20 games, 30 games, 40 games. It's a bunch of bullshit. You know, I agree with him to a certain extent at the same time. um, you know the nba historian in me will always remember the 2010-11 Miami Heat's um 9 and 8 start it's arguably the greatest team that has been assembled or second greatest team has been assembled over the last 20 years um after the warriors they needed a month and change to figure it out um and then they I looked it up today they ripped off 21 out of 22 so they figured it out uh, i don't think we're getting to that point however um the fact that It is they are figuring out whose offense this is and that that figuring out process has seeped into their defense. I don't think that should have been unexpected. Um, Next overreaction. uh, This I hope we can get through this quick. The Knicks are allowing too many open threes. Again, I could cite for you this number I just did about what the backups are giving up in terms of defensive rating. They play the same scheme. It's the exact same scheme. They change nothing. If anything, they trap a little bit more, which allow, which would be a a way to allow more open threes because you're, you know, if someone makes the pass or whatever, you're going to have somebody open, but um, that's not it. That's not it. We see what this scheme could do. If guys are playing like their pants are on fire and um, we see with, with, again, we see with the backups, we've seen it in fits and starts with the starters, but not enough. So I think that's an overreaction. I'm, uh, I hope you agree with me.
2: I do, but you know, I mean, the Knicks are 29th in terms of the most threes per game that they've let up. Um, and they were thirtieth last
1: year or whatever they were 29th.
2: They were, year. but the difference of course, this year is that they're 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, they're 24th in terms of uh, accuracy, yes, for, accuracy. Rice, for what teams but that's, are scoring against them. But that, because they're not getting out of okay. rice, a hundred percent. So yeah, again, it's, it is the same scheme pretty much. It, it, that's the thing though. It's, players are hitting their shots. That's, that's really different. And the other thing, yes, we could talk about the defense still being bad, even if the Knicks' offense were better, but if the Knicks' offense were improving the way that it should be, then we're talking less about the defense being, I mean, it's still, it would still be a problem, but it's not like it's as big of a deal because, Hey, at least the offense is scoring. You're fighting fire with fire. Now it just feels like, Oh crap. You know, teams are hitting threes. It's a problem. I mean, the, the Hornets didn't do well from three. They, they were terrible, especially through the the first. No. I think they were five of twenty at some point through the third quarter, and yeah, it didn't they matter. Got to, they they still right. figured out ways to do it. So it's yes, what you know, like if they're shooting well, then it's a different game. And they being, I mean, Charlotte in the sense of like they like they blow it out. They, it's worse than what it was. But that's the thing. Like the Knicks have to do better offensively, and they're not doing that. Yes, do they need to do better on defense? Sure, but they're betting on guys to miss. Last year it worked. This year it's not working as well. Well,
1: and again, I'm sure there's a there's a movie comparison here with like a like a mom movie or something. Last year, opponents were never comfortable because they were always looking over their shoulder. They're like, uh, "Oh, yeah, it's the movie I'm thinking of, uh, Heat." You know, what, you never. What do you do when the heat's coming around the corner? Opponents always felt like the heat was coming around the corner, and they nobody, I think, took a comfortable. Op- Three, even if it was a technically an open three against the next year last year, because you felt like someone was going to fly at you sooner rather than later. This year, opponents know, especially against the starters, you can get those shots, um, which is a good transition because this is a guy that has left some shooters open because he's hanging out in the paint. Um, Tibbs needs to find more minutes for Obi Toppin, even if it means at the expense of Julius Randle. So I, I'm not going to, I kind of preface this. Before, with with what I was saying about whose offense is this and like, where do they go? Um, If Julius Randle is not going to hit tough shots, which he did last year, and so it made him an all-star last year, and you're basically relying on Julius to draw doubles and make the pass, that is a path to a clunky offense. And we've seen it be clunky this year. Um, so the solution is either lessen that stuff, either Julius gets better and he just start hitting tough shots again, which I'd love to see that um, you change how the offense runs and maybe you don't run it through Julius as much, or as much, or you limit, maybe you give Julius an opportunity you know, early in the clock, or he's your late clock guy, or whatever, and then you, you let Kemba or Rose run it. And this is a long-winded way of saying: if you get to the point where the offense is not running through Julius Randle primarily, and it is running through Kemba Walker and Derek Rose, well, then does that not open up the door for more Obi Toppin minutes? And shouldn't he get those minutes because there are things. That Obi Toppin is better at basketball today than Julius Randle. Not a lot of things, but just in terms of like being able to finish, being able to elevate, um, flying around on defense. I think he's actually the better defensive player right now. And I say that with some trepidation because he does still get beat and he does still make the the mistakes young players make, but he makes up for it with the activity and the energy and like getting in passing lanes and like all the other the flying in transition. So long-winded way of saying, Yeah, I think they do need to find more minutes for Obi Top. Him. I don't think this is an overreaction.
2: No, I don't think it is either. But going into the season, I wanted him to play 15 to 16. I'm pretty sure that's I think it's might have said 15 because you had said 18 in your newsletter. And he's right now at 14.8. Okay. So, but here's the thing. That 14.8 is misleading because it would imply that it's like, oh, he's playing 13 and then 16. And it's it's not. It's it's like, you know, 9-1 game. And then the starting unit so bad that Obi now is playing entire fourth quarters or almost entire fourth quarters. And that's the thing. It, I I know that Tibbs is going to go by feel. But it, to me, it feels like something that's a little bit more consistent might be a little bit better than, you know, like I'll yank you after five minutes and then I'll put you back in at the beginning of the fourth quarter or the very end of the third and uh, we'll see where you go from there. And then we'll bring Julius back in. I just think there needs to be more consistency in terms of the allocation of the minutes. But like the the thing about the thing about Obi is that he he doesn't take over the game, but by doing less, he does more. And with Randall... he, more is is now becoming less. So that's the thing where Obi looks a lot better because Randall looks worse. But if we're talking about playing with the hot hand, then you'd want to sub Obi. And however, this is a league run by stars. Julius Randall still is a star, whatever level you want to categorize him of a star. is well, completely up to you, but but he's a star. You're, you're and, top
1: 10 MVP, you're, you're a star.
2: Right. And so how you are able to put that together and, and work within the functionality of the offense and, and what you're doing with that starting unit. Again, I think it's more, it's not necessarily like subbing Randall out and Obi in with that starting unit. I think it's just maybe playing the second unit more. If you are not going to kind of swap players in and out, like we may want, but Tibbs doesn't necessarily do as much as we may want him to.
1: And you know, what's funny about this, your, the way you just phrased it is a, is a longer way of saying right now, Obi's just the better guy without the ball. And typically, when you, when you talk about that in this league, it means a guy who's a threat from deep. Obi Toppin hasn't hit a three-pointer since the second game of the season. Yeah. He has missed 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 straight three-pointers. Um, even so, when you talk about who's more valuable on offense without the ball in their hands, it's Obi Toppin, and it's not close right now. And on defense, again, even with the occasional mistakes, and he's not as good a rebounder as Julius Randle, Obi Toppin's a better player right now, so it really does come down to, well, how much value are you getting from Julius Randle when he has the ball? And right now, I'm not saying it can't change. I'm not saying they even shouldn't give it a little bit more time. But right now, that value is is um is not where you you want it to be. Okay, uh, three more overreactions. Next one, I hope to God we could dispense with this quickly. Kemba is washed. To me. What we saw in Charlotte was not just like, oh, he's playing in a familiar court. He's feeling it like it was. This is what this guy could still be if you put the ball in his hands and you say, OK, run our offense. And it here's the thing. It wasn't just scoring. He made some beautiful passes that like. Derek Rose probably makes, but like there's no one else on the Knicks, obviously, who makes those passes like that could still be really productive and fruitful. And I, I he's not washed. (laughs) He's not. We may have thought he was washed. He's not washed.
2: He's not washed. He's incapacitated. Like here's the thing. Okay. In the I'm not trying to play the semantics game. I think that when I think of washed, I think of someone who's like they just belong, like they're out of the league. And that's not Kemba. Period. Kemba does belong. The problem is that. Well, there. I think there are a few problems. Um, but I think that the Perception of what Kemba is is very different. Like Because when we think of Kemba, we're thinking like, you know, someone who's a former all-star and look at him now. But the reality is that he's earning a quarter of what he would have made with the Thunder or Boston or whatever you want to say if he weren't bought out. Does that mean he's a quarter of the player that, you know, he was or whatever? No, it doesn't. But it's the sort of thing where you have to go into the season with the expectation that Kemba still has something in the tank. But there's a reason why he was bought out from this contract. It's because of the fact that no one wanted him on that deal. And the Knicks really want someone who can uh, basically pull up from three, who can drive, and who can finish. Uh, He's a terrible finisher. He's always been a bad finisher. Last year was the only year he was a good finisher. he's, He's not been a good finisher. Right. The driving part. He drove 10 times a game last season. That's, that's a good percentage. That's like the Knicks were top 10 in drives per game as a team. I think they're 10th for the first time in ages, because they finally said, Hey, let's get someone who can penetrate the defense and do something with it. Well, Kemba's driving about seven times a game now. And the yep. thing is that when he drives, like we said, he doesn't finish and he's too passive. He's, he's, he passes far too passing much. A ton. Yeah. Right. And like there was that miscommunication with Mitch. Could it be a miscommunication? Yes. But I think it's also a deeper rooted problem, which is that Kemba just doesn't feel good about finishing. And so he dishes when he can. And it's like, okay, well, I I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Should Mitch have maybe been expecting it more? Sure. But again, the the bigger problem is that Kemba, when he goes downhill, he gets rid of the ball instead of trying to score. And then there's the pull-up three. He's doing that well. The question is then like, if that doesn't stay, what value is he bringing? Because we know it's on the defensive side. So no, I know it, it's basically him going downhill is the best way to start making things happen. And we started to see that a bit with the Hornets game. It was nice to see him, it felt like he had fresh legs. Cause to me, the thing with Kemba is the band-aid solution, right? It's 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 always for me, it's always been, even though he signed for two years, yeah, it's been like, okay, get through this year, yeah, it's been and then this you year. reevaluate. Yeah. And and that's the thing it's, it's, well, you so, have to look at it as a one year stopgap, And I still maintain that and I'll, pro, I'll get into it actually a little bit later. Cause there's another question that's going to come up, but, um, but Kemba really was, was the type of player for why the Knicks needed him. And, and especially for that value.
1: I love the. I still love the value. Um, what I will just say about he's, so he's tied for 11th right now it, among, uh, 111 players who have taken at least 50 uh, three-point attempts. Uh, he's at 43.1%, um, which is tied for 11th in the league in terms of accuracy, and he has taken uh, way more off the dribble uh, threes than a bunch of the guys that are ahead of him. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Carmelo Anthony. He was first on that list. Um, anyway, I think we saw he had a floater uh against the Hornets um he had a couple other drives where he like things happened off of the drive. We've seen players change who they are as a basketball player midway through their career before. Like Vince Carter is the first name that comes to mind, but like when he Jason Kidd, Derek, Rose. Derrick, Derrick, Derrick Rose. Like, <laughs> I mean, when you're when you're when you're talented enough and you want to stay in the league and you want to like be like As you said, he always struggled, but he got he 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 broke down guys so easily. He got there so often the volume of the shots that he took around the rim made up for some of the fact that he was he was not as great there. Um, I still think there's a world where he's good enough. And again, you're asking for 22, 24 minutes a game from this guy in which he's perhaps running the offense for maybe half the time he's in the game. Um, maybe a little bit more. I, I think you can still do it. Okay, a couple more reactions, and then we're we'll going to our game balls. Um, the Knicks should have signed DeMar DeRozan over Evan Fournier. Uh, would DeMar get twenty seven a year?
2: It was somewhere. I think he had three years, eighty five million. So yeah, about twenty seven.
1: I think okay. Andrew put. The, thanks, Andrew. I think he put this in there to fuck with me. <laughs> so, look, the Bulls are really good. And they're going to be heard from all year. And I think they did a really good job putting that team together. Uh, they defend. Again, defense is not come down to the players on your team. It comes down to scheme, effort, all the things. Um, oh, God. I, it, this is tough because I love the Rosen. And I always loved the Rosen. And I made that very clear all of last year when I told anybody willing to listen, like, the Knicks should get a good basketball player if they could get him at the right price. I think it's an overpay. And I think the third guaranteed year is a potentially significant thing, depending on what the Knicks wind up doing in the years to come. And that's not a conversation for today, but like, do I necessarily think the Rosen would fix what ails this team? Um, I don't, I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm throwing on my hands. The obvious answer is Yes. But I don't know.
2: So here's the thing with DeRozan. And I guess when I talk about DeRozan, let me take a step back and say the Knicks. Going into this offseason, we didn't really know what the Knicks liked in terms of, especially on the offensive end. Sure. Now we do. What we know is that the Knicks really love guys who can pull up from three, as I mentioned with Kemba, and do it at a high clip, with a larger sample size. So, for example, when it comes to last season, there were 61 players who took at least 100 pull up threes. Fournier finished sixth in percentage, Randall ninth, Walker 32nd,
3: quickly yeah.
2: 38th. The year before that, 64 players, uh, Burks sixth. And also, by the way, Burks didn't qualify last season for hundred, but he was up there. He was I mean, yeah, like was 42% awesome. or something from there. Um, Marcus Morris. I mean, he's not on the Knicks now, but he was 11th. And, yeah. and there was a reason why he took off. It's because he was unbelievable pulling up from three. Uh, Fournier was 16th. Walker was 18th. So it's a, there's a reason why the Knicks also went after Grimes and McBride, two players who we know were very good pull up shooters in college. Yeah. Um, they encouraged RJ to do more pull up shooting, and he hasn't been great at it, but he has been trying yes. to do it, He's which trying. is important. They don't care about the five in terms of pulling up, although I'm sure some players, you know, out there maybe there's some level of interest. But the the, the reason I'm I saying could, this I get think is because, of one, <laughs> yes, um, but not him. Uh, please not him. Um, but the point I'm going with here. What's their record now? <laughs> It's bad. It's bad. He did not do well last night uh, as well. I saw they got um, smoked.
1: I did not look at his style in particular. We we should probably just say we're talking about Carl Anthony Downs.
2: Yes, we are. Really not a good performance at all. But the point I'm trying to make here is that DeMar DeRozan doesn't take pull up threes. That's just not his style. The Knicks clearly wanted someone who is not going to be as high of a usage player. And when you think about how we're talking about Randall, right? And him not getting his way with the ball. And I'm talking about Kemba Walker. Imagine now adding DeMar DeRozan. And oh, by the way, there's also R.J. Barrett who we're trying to figure out. I know. It's just there are a I lot know. of cooks in the kitchen. It's not to say DeMar DeRozan is a bad player. He's not. He's but a really I good think player. He's a really good player. But here's the other thing to consider. And Cleaning the Glass did a great job of illustrating this. So they have... Uh, efficiency, blah, efficiency differential. Okay. I was right. Yes. I, my mind was right the first time. Um, and basically, it's when a, it's team points scored per 100 possessions minus team points allowed per 100 possessions. So when it comes to DeMar DeRozan, his first two years in the league, he was in the negative, negative 5.3, negative 1.5. The following year's third year, he was positive 4.4. Every single season after that, he was a negative. Yeah. Every one. What about this? Most year? recently, last year, he was negative 4.8. The year before that, negative 4.4. The year before some that, negative 5.3. Okay. Might have been. Sure. But still, not, not great stuff. And again, it's not all, it's not all him. And but, what is he this year? But there's a reason why he was not considered, you know, I, a, a great player, a regular season guy. This year, so far, he is a positive 20.3. So uh-huh. again, he's having a phenomenal season and the Bulls are doing really well. Proving me wrong. Another thing, Lonzo Ball. In fact, this is a different conversation if you wanted it. It shouldn't be should the Knicks have paid DeMar DeRozan instead of Evan Fournier. It's should well, the Knicks have gone after Lonzo Ball of Evan Fournier. But here's the thing. Or, well, Lonzo Ball. He's not a point guard. We, we, we've gone down this road. I don't want to beat a dead horse. But the, the reason I'm saying this is because when I talked about that list of players with 100 pull-up threes, of the 61 last season, Lonzo was 49. The year before, of the 64, Lonzo is forty sixth. Mm-hmm. He's red hot right now from pulling up. He is. Will it continue? I don't know. Maybe it does. But but this is this is a huge step forward, or it's an anomaly. It's one of the two, and it's something to monitor. But that's the big thing here. It's it's more of like we know what the Knicks like. We know that Demar Derozan is not that. And whether you agree or disagree with the Knicks' yeah. philosophy is a different story. Yeah. But but considering what they like, Fournier fits in can, seamlessly.
1: Can I just be very clear? I'm not going to lose one ounce of sleep over the fact that they didn't sign Demar the Rosen and they and they signed Evan Fournier because in the grand scheme of things it doesn't fucking matter this is two different paths both of which neither of which make you a contender and both of which leave you somewhere below contender status but make you a better team I still think Evan Fournier is worth the contract they gave him most importantly and by far most importantly I should say it's still a tradable contract because it's only three years the last year is not guaranteed um he has not looked great of late he will look better it will look better with him it, it, that this is not like even with the mar the Knicks we're not you know we're, we're not talking about a team that would be fucking 10 and 3 right now
2: the only thing um, that that list of for the last 2 years tells me is that Evan Fournier is a better player than this and i expect him to help you know listen rebound no pun intended and be a be a better shooter that's like, that's the thing
1: it's they are they're going through a big adjustment and it is adjustment with personnel. It is adjustment with players who are used to having the ball and it is an adjustment with the best player on the team, not looking like he's the best player on any team right now because he's not hitting shots at the end of the day. We could talk until we're blue in the face about this, that and the other. And it comes down to the fact that Julius Randall is hitting fucking 25% of his long twos. That's the difference. If you want to know what the difference, because guess what? If he was hitting forty-five percent like last year, it's drawing all those attention. Other guys get open, and all of a sudden, Julius isn't dribbling into nothing. He's dribbling into doubles, and it, the Knicks' offense looks a lot better. We're not getting that right now, and they're and they're fumbling their way in the dark. Anyway, okay. Last overreaction, and, and then game ball and detention. Um, the Knicks are at best a playing team. Um, take
2: a quick look at the standings here. Before you don't need I... to. It's fine that you are, but you don't need to. Really. I, I want to look at this. Stuff day. You have an answer? Is. Sure, I'll give an answer. Listen, last year, the Knicks, were. it was a miraculous season. They finished fourth. How many people would have thought they would have finished above 12th, right? I know. They were I also know. one game away from finishing sixth, which is a stone's throw away from seventh. And that's play yes. and territory. So... Are the Knicks? Yeah, but the you know, question is at best. Right. And they're at not at here, best. At best, they are a better team than that. But more realistically, they probably are a playing team of that, of that area where it's like almost at the point where maybe one or two wins will separate the teams from eighth to fifth, potentially that, that sort of, you know, philosophy of, or maybe projection of how it might go. It's not that the Knicks are at best a playing team. It's just that's how they're well, playing. And that's where, and a lot of teams are doing well. But at the, best, reason they're I, at best, the reason not a playing team. The reason I want to,
1: I agree with you. At best, they are better than that. The reason I wanted to look at the standings is I wanted to see how many teams right now do I have thousand percent finishing better than the Knicks, and right now it's the Nets, it's the Heat, it's the I can't trust Joel Embiid's needs, um, it's the Bucks. That's three teams. Okay, so yeah, there's an overreaction.
4: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: to give out some game balls.
5: Let's do it. Um, wow, the
1: disrespect. So here it behind the curtain, folks. I'm looking at at uh, Andrew's list here of nominees, and the, and the it's a predictable list of nominees because it's four bench players because it's the only players worth the shit on this team, Derek Rose will be top in Alec Burks and and um, Taj Gibson, all of whom have been phenomenal. I'm giving my game ball to Kemba Walker. And I know Kemba Walker had 19 points combined in the previous four games before the Hornets game and looked dreadful in those four games. And he came back in or rather in the second half to start the second half. He couldn't pull the Knicks out of whatever morass they were in when they gave away the lead. Um, And then in the fourth quarter, he, I think he took a couple shots and he missed them both and, and the Knicks lost. Okay. For me, an entire city of people was looking at this guy and being like, he's done. He's over. He's finished. There is no more Kemba Walker. Put Kemba Walker in mothballs, make him go away. We don't want to see him play basketball anymore. Elevate Derek Rosen to starting five, elevate Emmanuel Quickly to starting five, you know, whatever you're going to do. Walker's done. It was a waste of It was a bad, it was a try. We failed. It is what it is. And he came back and he came out and he put on a show and looked like the Kemba of old. That to me, he's getting my game ball just for that alone. I, and, and all due respect to the other guys on this list. One of which, I mean, he didn't even write down the guy, the other guy who I would get, my God, Andrew, what are you doing here? Cause I have a second place guy who I will shout out unless you want to give him the game ball.
2: I mean, First of all, I think it's really bold that you went with Kemba Walker, considering how he was lost for two of the three games. In the third game, he did a great job. He was horrible. Half. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, again, it, I feel like if someone's bad for two and a half out of three games, maybe... Yeah, I think that's probably fair, considering how he barely played in the fourth quarter. Um, I but feel he's like also... That's, <laughs> it, yeah,
1: just, it, for a it, second, it, consider look, the fact how much he's adjusting? And now that we know he could kind of
2: Again, I just cited the number. He's 11 in three right. point percentage. Listen, I think there's a difference between saying he's not watched, which we talked about earlier. Yes, I know. And saying he's deserving of a game ball, but that's your, your pick. He's I'll getting wait. my game yeah. ball. Rice High School, Fair shut enough. up. Fair enough. Um, for me, I'm going to give it to quickly. That's the I, other I guy. Mean, like, that's, that's the thing. It's talked about before how he struggled at the beginning of the year last year. First seven games, abysmal. First nine games this year, terrible. They were like this neck and neck, the same points, rebounds, assists, true shooting, field goal, three, like all of it. It was, it was a parallel basically. And he comes out and in the last five games, 46, 45, 90 slash line, plus 42, excelling with the second unit, showing confidence and poise, working on his playmaking. Clearly it's, it's picking up. He's um, best I mean, player like, of the week. There were moments I, in that my, Bucks game. My where game, he had ball to, aside, best player of the week. Right. So, with why I feel he's deserving of the game ball. But in that sense, it's like there were two possessions at the, at what the third quarter, end of the third quarter against the bucks where he pulled up from three and each time, like, no, he's not going to do it. And he did it. And then the next time it was like, no, no, no. Like I dare you to do it, but jokingly like, no, 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 but also don't do that. And he does it. And I just, you know, scream because it's incredible what he's able to do. And it's just so much fun to watch him. Like it'd be one thing to see, a five-man unit and three of the five guys are, you know, veterans who have clearly been around the block and are guiding two young players, but it's those two young players that then makes all of it feel even more worth it. One of them being Emmanuel quickly. And so to see him shine in a role where it's like, you don't have to thrust him into the starting lineup. You Mm -hmm. can let him cook with the guys that he is used to doing that with. That's really important. And so by doing that, I think, it just, it does so much for the team. So, um, he, you know, and again, the defense, that's the other thing. Like, there's a reason why the defense is really good. It is not solely because of him, but his point of attack defense, the effort that he shows consistently every single game, he does not take plays off, or at least certainly doesn't take nights no, off. No, no plays All off. All of that is why I feel like he has to be deserving. And I'm really glad he has bust out of what is becoming a trend of early season struggles and then just jumping onto the scene.
1: Um, I. I knew I I figured you'd pick quickly, which is why I was okay taking. I, I just I wanted to listen. It's respect. I get it. I hear you. Every, I was one of the people burying Derek Rose. Or sorry, I well I buried Derek Rose many years ago. Um bur- burying
2: Kemba You weren't White. alone. I also buried him too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we've all we've all we've all buried some guys. Um and I just, you know, I I wanna I wanna give my respect. By the way, by the way, um, who was the player that I compared uh, Ovi Toppin to
2: before the season started? Was it Amari? I can't remember.
1: No, it was not Amari. It, okay.
2: it was a current player. It wasn't John Collins. I, I can't remember. You really don't remember this? I don't. I know, it was, I, I know it was something that was more outrageous than the players I'm naming. Even though. But I can't remember.
1: Uh, he was named to the top 75 players of all time.
2: Recently. Oh, was it Anthony Davis? It was Anthony Davis. Oh, God. Yeah, that was, it was ridiculous. But
1: Anthony, it was Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, can, I, can I ask you to name all of the players in the NBA right this second? Did the Lakers play tonight? They I did.
2: They beat the Spurs.
1: Okay, so then this stat should be updated. Um, name me all the players in the NBA right now averaging at least... 18 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and two blocks per 36 minutes that are shooting at least 50% from the field. Can you please name me all of the players who are doing that?
2: I feel like this is going to be a trap. I feel like it's going to be a very small number. The number is two. Okay. Is one of them going to be Carmelo Anthony? No, one of them oh, is not I Carmelo thought, I thought just because he's exploded on the scene, but the rebounds are still high. Um, 18, wait, per 36, you said? per 36. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I meant per. yeah. Well, one of them is Obi, I know that. One of them is Obi Toppin. Uh, the other one uh, It's not Luca. I just said it. I know, but I was Is it Anthony Davis? Yes. Okay, all right. But still, that's per Again, per 36 is is not necessarily the right benchmark to hold players to, but I'll I'll let you live.
1: I I called this, and <laughs> you're not even giving me credit for it. <laughs> you
2: didn't call it necessarily, but I in the moment, I, you said per 36, these numbers? Yeah, I spec- I specified per 36 when I said right. this this nonsense shit that, about obi Toppin. I'll tell you what, I will give you, seeing as how we are one-sixth of the way through, I will give you one-sixth of the credit that is headed your way. How about that? It's a long
1: year. I should get six times the credit for this ridiculous prediction being right after
2: a six. I'm giving season. you one sixth. If you keep talking, I'll make it one seventh, and then we'll go to one eighth. So take what you can, accept <laughs> and, it, and let's and, move on. <laughs> and by the way, he's shooting 56% to Anthony Davis's 50%. Just and, what is he like 80% around the rim? Something like that? Something oh Mike, I, I don't think he's missed around the rim this year. And, and Mitch uh, has been phenomenal on the rim too. So fun God. stuff. Obi be topping so good.
1: Um what do we have left to do? Oh, detention. detention.
3: Goodness gracious. I can't give it to RJ. It just seems mean.
2: Right?
0: You're called. No, fuck Not it. Won.
1: What? Yeah. I, um, it, it, Julius. Um, I, I said I, re- I went back and rewatched that game. I, I just I saw some shit I really didn't like. Um, you know, you gotten a lot of flowers in the last year since you came and, and well, sorry, a year after you came to the team, since Tom Thibodeau came aboard and since Leon Rose and World Wide West and everybody kind of helped resuscitate you got a lot of flowers and it's been really, really nice to be the face of the New York Knicks and to get, to sit up there on the dais and be the first guy uh, at the mic after every game and talk about being a leader and accountability and culture and all of the shit that we've all drank up like Kool-Aid and what that means now that things are going the way they are is coming out and putting your personal shit aside, including the fact that you can't make a tough shot at the moment. And the offense might not be best going through you anymore. And it means setting the example on defense. And it means being the guy who, by the way, Tom Thibodeau has said over the last few years, first guy in the gym, hardest worker, best condition, the whole thing, be that guy on the court. For every minute you're out there, sprint the fuck back in defense. Even if it's not necessarily a situation where sprint back is going to get you anything. Do that for a game. Just one game. If you're the leader of this team that you say and that everybody else says that you are. I have defended Julius Randle after game after game after game this season when people have been slinging arrows in his way from every which direction. Um, and, and I think the Charlotte game was the first time at where, again, I, I rewatched it and I'm like, I, I, I can't, I'm not sure how much longer I could defend the performance. So very long winded way of saying Julius Randall, you're going to detention this week.
2: I think that's fair for sure. Um, you know, I think one, uh, this isn't my person. Uh, I think one person could be Tibbs argued Listen, I, I think... Him, I'll defend to the death. I know you will. I know. <laughs> and, but that's the thing. I think I am arguing for no change with the starting lineup for right now. I've, but I totally understand why other people are mad at Tibbs and want to make changes. I just, I don't see it as being the need right now. I get what the last seven games has looked like or whatnot. I understand why people are upset. I think there is room for criticism for Tibbs. I just, to me right now, he is not the guy. That, that I think should be in detention. And I don't think it actually should be one guy. I think it should be the entire starting unit. That's that's the correct answer. I'm putting everyone in the hurt locker. And it's the sort of thing here where, again, you know, I, I know it feels like, even though we're two different people, to talk about Kemba as getting uh, game ball and then putting him in detention, which is funny because it just goes to show how, like, like art, things can also be subjective and G- whatnot, Jeremy, but you But you can do wonderfully... On a test in
1: one class and still go and throw a spitball at a teacher in another classroom. That's true. And, and wind up, you know, paying the price after school.
2: That's a good point. So this is, this is Kemba's uh, spitball, so to speak. You know, I, I laid out earlier about each of the players. I mean, the, the, the shooting is abysmal. The effort is the worst part. Um, the defense might be second to that, but I think it goes hand in hand with, with where the effort's at. And, you know, I, 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 didn't say also much about Mitch and look, I mean, he's, Mitch has improved in, in certain areas. Uh, Did, others, he just hasn't. And the fact that I know you've dying, looked at the advanced
1: stats. I Of course I have, I know you've looked at the advanced and stats and the and advanced stats trying, on Mitch yeah. are fucking I mean, ugly.
2: They're bad. And I'm not, you know, trying to be like complete nerd analytics <laughs> and, and all that. I, I'm looking at the eye test and at the stats as well. And it's not been great. And again, at a certain point, at a certain point, we have to be frank with ourselves. There is seemingly every game an injury scare, right? That is, that is a big problem. When you have the guy that you are hoping to be your long-term starting five, and he's not able to play games. And if he is playing games, he just looks unhealthy. He like the hip issue is clearly bothering him. The ankle issue. it, 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 there's a, there's some sort of, kine- um, is it kinesis? That is. Kinesthetic? What are you trying to say? I was going to go over the kinesthetics, but like <laughs> the, the kinesis, isn't that the noun? His, uh... I don't know. All right. Do I look like a smart person to you? Good point. Um, Things are connected. And I think that Mitch being plagued by these injuries is also not helping, but I, I don't just want to focus on him because he's one of five key members that has been disappointing this past week and, and even before then. But if we're honing in on this week. Again, I I tore the other guys, I felt like, not necessarily a new one, but tore into them. Beforehand, I I didn't really go as much on Mitch as I I maybe should have at the time. So I'm just going to throw all of them, lump them all together. They all have to improve. That's the thing. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But it's the sort of thing where when you have a guy who's also supposed to be anchoring your defense, and I understand that, look, these other players are not doing what they're supposed to do and it falls on Mitch's shoulders. But at the same time, Mitch is still responsible for, for, for... issues on the defensive end um like i just i have that i know it wasn't this past week but that Mobley drive and dunk is just seared into my brain and oh, um i mean well Mobley's really good he, again yes 100 percent. but i don't know man It, it just something about it in terms of the quickness and the health and all these things with mitch and um but we can have that conversation another day the point is for right now the job's not getting done the second unit's been flawless The first unit just isn't getting it done, as I just said, not even 10 seconds ago. Um, As a result, they are the ones who are in the doghouse for me. They have detention.
1: Last uh, eight games, um, Walker, Fournier, Randall, Mitch Robinson, R.J. Barrett, uh, 124 defensive rating, actually 123.9, which would... it doesn't even bother comparing that to the rest of the league because there's no point because it's ten points per one hundred is worse than anybody else um and if we want to go back to it's if we basically if you take out the first Orlando game when orlando like didn't didn't bother to play their their year long number is essentially like one twenty two one twenty three um which is like not a real number um that I don't yeah, I don't I, I don't know. It's it, 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 again, okay. you've been correct twice. You picked quickly for the game ball. You picked the starting lineup for the for the detention. You are you are right both times. Um, prediction. So, oh boy, talk about getting in a hole. I'm now zero three. Um, it's a long season. It's getting late early. A little bit. It's like the Oscars where like you're the the movie that's nominated for like nine awards the first three awards get it and they don't win. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm the Irishman this year, which is fitting because I'm an old Italian. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't think they got any Oscars. Um, let's hope I can get an Oscar soon. Okay. Uh, so this week uh, we are home three games, one of which we will be at KFS will be at uh, mm-hmm. in a suite with some, some goodies. I believe that'll be fun. Um, hopefully they don't fucking beat our land. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. No refunds.
1: <laughs> Good call. Uh Indiana, Orlando, Houston, all at home. And then uh next Sunday uh Chicago. Uh oh, I should say, by the way, our uh we're uh next week's episode uh with us will be dropping on uh Tuesday at midnight because we're gonna be recording it on, on Monday night because um it's Thanksgiving week. It's a little funky and we're, we're not going to kill ourselves with a very late uh, Sunday recording. Sorry. I hope that's okay. But you'll have us for your travel holiday. Um, anyway. Thank you to uh,
2: those of you who are not in America for understanding.
1: Get yourself some turkey. <laughs> uh, okay, Jeremy, you're up.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is the most just average, you know, but I think uh, two and two is a very safe benchmark here because think about it right i could say three and one i was about to say that they they went or against orlando and against houston and then one of indiana and chicago but i also have seen how they've played recently um and they lost at home to orlando they lost in indiana they nearly lost in chicago so a nice 500 over the next four games that feels like just a percentage that they could do And so I, I, it doesn't go one way or the other. It is the most uh, bipartisan of the choices available to me. So I'm going to go with that two and two.
1: Who's the, who's the politician, the Connecticut Senator, who's like not a Republican or he was a long, very long time
2: Senator. Joe Lieberman. There you go. Mm
1: -hmm. I think you're you're Joe Lieberman. Yeah. Congratulations.
2: At least I don't deprive people of healthcare, but (laughs) That we know. Of. <laughs> yeah, your turn. Uh,
1: uh, I'm going to go with three and one, and uh, I'm going to uh, go with three and one uh, with confidence, actually. Um, I think they're going to come out and beat Indiana. Um, I think they're going to come out and play really well. I think, I think we've, we've now seen the rock bottom portion, the rock bottom portion of, of this part of the season. I could see them having another rock bottom portion later, and I'm not even gonna say it. it won't be worse, but i think I think this sets up well for them to come out against Indiana and look good. I think Indiana is a team that like you could look good you could Indiana could beat you, but you could also look good against Indiana, and Indiana, we should say is what are they right now? They are six and eight um five and five in their last, in their last 10, they have a positive, but despite being two games under 500, they actually have a better scoring margin than the Knicks. So if you go by advanced stats, they're a better team than the Knicks. Um they
2: and won by the way, yeah, Knick, recently they, they won uh, yes. the other night as well. That was a really good game that they had. I can't remember who they were they're, um, um
1: No, they're, they're not like, they're not a bad team. Like the, 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 the bad start was, was fool's gold. Um, that said, um, yeah, they they, they uh, beat uh, Philly by five. That's what. Yep. Um, is the game you're thinking of? Um, I think the Knicks win this game, uh, and I think they followed up with wins in um, or against Orlando and against Houston. And then I think I I mean I don't need to pre- I listen if they went four and row, would wouldn't shock me, but I don't need to predict four and zero to beat you because you picked two and two, so I'm gonna go with three. It's fair. And that
2: also, if you picked four and zero and they went three and one, then I would probably get the advantage because I tie goes to the right.
1: So, whatever the, yeah. the person who won last time. Um, okay, this was a lot of fun. We managed to do this without Andrew. The cats away. The mice played a little bit. Um, we don't have a producer's corner. Is there any non-Nick's stuff that you want to mention before we go?
2: Non-Nick stuff to mention? Um, no, I don't. I don't really think there is at the moment. I guess it's. Do you, John?
1: No, um, not really. Uh, I I should probably I should have probably thought of a producer's corner. This is riveting
2: podcasting, by the way. Uh, Of the two of us, this is why we have no no clue. This is just proof that we need we need Andrew.
1: Oh, I know what I have. I have a producer's corner. Okay. Um. I. uh, Shang-Chi's on Disney Plus.
2: Oh, yes. was supposed to see it this weekend. Did not get to it. That'll be next weekend.
1: Watched it in the theater with my daughter when it came out. Rewatched it on Saturday night because I just, I need, the Knicks have beaten me down. I needed a break from from basketball for an evening. And I got to say, I'm not sure that I'm where Bernard is. Uh, I don't think you're on that text chain, but he has Shang-Chi, I believe, fourth in his Marvel movie rankings at this point. Uh, his MCU Movie record. I should be specific. I'm not sure on where he is, but that's a damn good movie. And I, if you have not, it sounds like you have not seen it yet. I have not yet. Yeah. You, you should see it. It's really good. It's yeah. a very enjoyable watch.
2: I thought it was coming to on demand the day it came to theaters, and uh, it didn't. And so I've been waiting. And then it wasn't no, it's, theaters. I'm excited. It's free. You
1: it. could um, you could you could watch it. It's it's a wonderful time. Um, some great performances, and uh, I am. Very excited to see what comes of the, the Shang-Chi universe moving forward, um, which, is, which is very cool. Okay. I've, got,
2: I've actually got one thing. Oh, here we go. Came to me. Um, so, you know, we're both assuming the Knicks win one of the next two games against Indiana or against Orlando. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But should that be the case? Um, we got something fun planned. So stay tuned. Giddy
1: up all right uh that's gonna do it for us uh jeremy plug before we go stay tuned stay tuned that's a great plug um i will plug uh this podcast don't forget if you've enjoyed your listening experience or you just want to be nice uh leave us a review leave us a rating um we appreciate it it helps us do what we do and of course if you're listening to this and you are not subscribed go ahead and subscribe um and also uh another reminder there will be no post-game live stream or... Uh, well, there'll be no post-game live stream immediately following the next game on Wednesday. I don't ever want to say that there will be no post-game podcast or eventual live stream because you never know what's going to happen. They could win some crazy game and I might have enough energy in me to get home from the garden after I've been drinking for several hours and attempt to put my thoughts cogently in front of a microphone. You never know. But probably, there's not gonna be a, a a post game on that one. Um, but uh, we will have um, uh, other podcasts this week as usual, drop on wednesday and and Thursday. Uh, right, sorry, and Friday. So check those out. And uh, until next week, take care.